0: Well, the real reason Mike's not here is because Boston Jacob Forrest was born. So if you love Mike and Casey, reach out to them. Um, That's good news. More forests in the world, you know, not trees. There's a forest joke in there. I couldn't figure out what it was, though, in time. So pretend like I just made it. Thanks for laughing. Life is good. Um. Today we're going to talk about money. Welcome to Harbor City Church. If you're new here, you know all those churches you see on TV that talk about money make you feel really icky and slimy and inside like they're being self-serving and manipulative. Oh man, I hope I'm not like that. I hope I don't sound like that today. Um, this is a really hard subject to talk about as a church. Um, I want you to know that I know about the stuff on TV. I want you to know that I know what it's like to feel manipulated. I know. I want you to know that I understand. In fact, for a long time, I I didn't want, even as a pastor, I didn't want to talk about money because I didn't want to sound like the excesses and the like ridiculous materialism and the what seems to be incredibly self-serving nature of so many churches. And so it's like, ah, better just not talk about it. Um, That would be so much easier to just not talk about it. But we can't. We can't. We have to talk about money. And there's two main reasons we have to talk about money. First. We all have problems with money. <laughs> we have problems. Individuals and couples struggle with money. Money can enslave us. it can lie to us about what can make us happy. Money can consume us. It can redirect our lives. Um, we give ourselves to what we spend money on. and money also has this ability to enslave us with guilt. because I don't know if you ever feel this way, but sometimes I feel this way and have felt this way. I look, I just don't feel like I give enough either to the church or to charity, or to the needy. The Bible speaks to that, to this issue. And so we want to talk about it here in church, so that we can be freed from these kinds of enslaving and wrong things, uh, thinkings. Um, And the second reason we have to talk about money is because money, listen to this, money can actually deepen our relationship with God and make us the best versions of ourselves. Okay? How's that for a promise? Right? Right? Um, Now the Bible says there are four ways that we can spend money that make God happy and give us a deeper experience of him. These four ways can reshape your heart and life so that you can become like Jesus um, and become the kind of people who are really good for San Diego. All right, here are the four ways the Bible tells us to use our money. Number one, tells us to use our money by, uh, to celebrate, celebrate God's extravagant grace in your life by buying things you don't need. Amen? Right? You're like, wait, wait, hold on. Is that in the Bible? It is. It's in the Bible. Don't worry. I'll tell you. I'll show you. Um, so first, you're to celebrate God's extravagant grace in your life by buying things you don't need. I should stop and walk off. Um, two there 's another way, two is by providing provide for your needs and your families. three, tithe ten percent of your income to the church, and then four, care for the needs of people in your life. So celebrate, provide, tithe and care. These are the four ways that God and the Bible tells us to spend our money, and the first two are more inward focused. And we're gonna talk about these two today, right? We're gonna talk about these two ways today. And then the last two, they're more outward focused. And we're gonna talk about those next Sunday, okay? And so again, these four ways to spend money, they're powerful because when we spend our money in these ways, with a God-oriented perspective, we grow spiritually, okay? All four of these ways, when you do them, you can grow spiritually. You can experience God even more in your life And you can look and act like Jesus. So let me ask you a question. When you think about the best version of yourself, what do you think about? What comes to mind? Do you think about, like, do you have a description? Do you have a sense of like, oh, my best self looks like this? I mean, maybe certain character qualities come to mind. Well, we think it's important as a church to give you the Bible's description of what our lives should look like. And at Harbor City Church, Uh, we present the Bible's description of our best selves uh, in terms of our five values. Okay, our five values. These are the five most important qualities a human being can have. And we want these five values to define every individual in our church. And so as your pastor, I want you committed to growing these five values in your life. And we set a short summary of these values out. Uh, in email this week. And so if you didn't get that email, it's because we don't have your email address. So please share that email with us. Um, Fill out a connection card with your email address. We'll put you on our list and you'll get our very infrequent emails that go out. Um, But our five values are also listed on our website. I'm going to briefly give you um, just a a brief description of the five values. Um, So these are Harbor City Church's values. One, uh, we work to be gospel-centered our lives revolve around Jesus' sacrificial love and transforming power. That's the center of our lives. Um, Two, we work to be growing in community, right? We need the encouragement and the challenge of spiritual friendships. Three, we work to be living on mission. And so we love others and we share the gospel and how it's changed us or how it changes us. Four, we work to be city positive. This means that we celebrate what's good in our city and we serve what's broken. And then five, we work to be equipping leaders. So we invest in people so that they will invest in others. And these are what we value as a church. And so, again, these aren't just descriptions of what we want to be on the whole as our church. These are five elements that we want all of us, every single one of us to embody These are five character qualities that we all want to strive for. And the question is, how do you do that? How do you take steps to grow? How do you orient your life around these five values? Well, this series is going to show you how to do that by spending money. So you can spend money and grow spiritually. And today, again, we're going to see how celebrate and provide illustrate the character of someone who loves God and blesses others. And um, you're going to see how spending money is this practical way for you to experience God and become the best version of yourself. And so we're going to talk here about spending to connect with God. So first, let's talk about celebrate. We want you to celebrate God's extravagant grace in your life by buying stuff you don't need. First, I need to show you where this is in the Bible, right? You're like, I'm still, all ah, right. Let me just start with one verse, Psalm 115, verses 15 and 16. That's actually two verses. Um, It says this, May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of man. You know what this is saying? This is saying that the earth is a gift from God to us. The earth is a gift from God to us. That means the earth and everything in it, God has given us to enjoy. So the world and all it contains, the color, the variety, the landscapes, it's all a gift. Places, people, stuff. God wants us to enjoy it. So many many people think that God is only serious. He's only stoic. No, (laughs) no. It's not true. Like, look at the earth that God has made. Look at the earth in the way that he's made it. The colors and the variety, the species, they're, they're multiplied, animals and plants and the different kinds of people. There are thousands of different kinds of flowers, right? There are thousands of different kinds of dogs in San Diego, right? There's more dogs than children in San Diego. The oceans and the mountains, right, that you can get to. You can drive and be in the snow in 45 minutes and the beach in 10 minutes from here, right? We live in God's promised land. The materials for clothing, right, for technology, the stuff that God built into the world that we have used to make things that blow our minds, it's like this infinite... Um, it's this infinite palette, right? There's these infinite combinations that are designed to reflect an infinite God who has gifted all of these things to us. Man, right? Now, we also see in the Bible, let me share another verse with you. Here's a verse that having more than we need is sometimes described as a blessing from God. So Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 10, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. The passage goes on. Verse 7, Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Then read these verses, verses 9 and 10 in Proverbs 3. Most people, the bumper sticker doesn't go past verse 6, but look at verses 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, which is kind of a reference to tithing. Um, so honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You know what that's a description of in an agricultural society? Prosperity, abundance, extravagance. And it's not just the Proverbs in the Old Testament, but then in John chapter two, right? The very first miracle of Jesus. He was at a wedding and tragedy of tragedies. They ran out of wine. Hard to know. Hard to know if the family that was hosting the wedding just didn't have enough money to provide enough or if this was a particularly raucous group of folks celebrating the joining together of two people. But Jesus made 180 gallons of wine, and he did this after the family ran out of wine they already had. Can I get an amen? (laughs) I mean, wine in the Bible, from beginning to end, is designed by God for joy and for celebration. And Jesus proves this by providing abundantly, providing extravagantly uh, at this wedding. And so, celebrating with your money. This literally means spending money on anything that you don't need. A $5 mocha at any of the 62 different coffee places here in San Diego. Spending money on vacations. Spending money eating out buying a nice television or a nice phone or a nice car, anything that you don't need to live on, listen to this, anything you don't need to live on is an opportunity to stop and remember and be sincerely thankful to God that He has blessed you with more than you need. Hallelujah. This should move you every time you swipe your card for something you don't need, every time you hand over cash for something you don't need, you can pray and say, God, thank you that in your abundant grace, you have given me so much more that I need. I buy this and I thank you for this. And I'm even more thankful because this reminds me of the abundant spiritual blessings that you give to me through the death and resurrection of Jesus. That's what celebration is designed to remind us of and to point us to. We can celebrate with material things in our lives because God wants us to be constantly reminded of the immeasurable spiritual wealth that he has given to us in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, just another biblical principle is the principle of the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath. The Sabbath also teaches us that there is a time to work and a time to rest and celebrate. Okay. The fourth commandment, it's in the top 10, right? Where one day in seven, God wants us to stop working and to rest. And again, this rest is a time to stop working, but to celebrate. And we celebrate that Jesus has worked to save us and that his work is perfect. In his life, his death, his resurrection, his work is complete. We can't add anything to our salvation. He saves us and he saves us completely. We don't earn God's love. We don't have to do anything to earn God's love. We have God's love for us in Jesus, which gives us every reason to celebrate. There is no work for us to do to receive God's love. So... The Sabbath, then, it's a way that God has built into the rhythm of time, both work and rest. What does this mean? This means that there is a time for work and a time to indulge. There is a time to take responsibility for meeting the needs of other people around you. And there is a time to relax and enjoy that you are not God there's a time to remember that you are not responsible to meet every single need that is around you. There's a time to remember that part of your mission in life is to make disciples by spending your money on others, giving it to the church, giving it to other people in need, And there is a time to remember that part of your mission in life is to make disciples by going on vacation and by buying things that you don't need, but you enjoy. Because at these times, you get to teach others that we have a God who blesses us with more than we need and we can celebrate His work. Are you with me? Now, talking about celebrating with our money, typically gets two reactions, okay? It's two reactions normally when we talk about this principle of celebrating with our money. Uh, The first reaction is that people feel deep inside their soul that there's something true about this. There's something about celebrating with our money that feels connected to experiencing the good news of Jesus. But then there's also this other reaction that comes, And this other reaction says, well, just how much can I celebrate, right? Now it's true that the Bible does speak against sinful expressions of extravagance. Okay. The Bible has lots and lots of warnings about the dangers of being controlled by money. Here's just one. First Timothy six, verse 17 says this, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. You see that? And so even when the Bible's warning us, it's telling us that we should be able to enjoy life. We should be able to enjoy the fruit of our labors. This can and should keep us from being too miserly. But the question is, where's the line, right? Where's the line between celebration and materialism? When does my celebration turn into me worshiping money or stuff? Well, one of the best answers to this question of where that line is, is to make sure that you have money to spend in the other three ways, okay? The Bible commands us to do all four. And if celebrating keeps you from doing the other three, then you've gone too far, okay? So this is celebrating the first way to spend. Now the second way that you are to spend your money is to provide for yourself and for your family. So to provide for yourself and your family. Proverbs 10 verses three to five say this, the Lord does not let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the craving of the wicked. Now, it's important to understand this was written to an agricultural society in Israel in the ancient Near East, and this is, the book of Proverbs is describing general truths about the principles of life. So if you live in a relatively healthy society, then the Lord doesn't let the righteous go hungry, but he thwarts the cravings of the wicked, okay? So this doesn't mean that world hunger is, the Bible's blind to world hunger, far, far, far from that. Um, But I just want you to understand that Proverbs talks about the general way that life is supposed to work. And so, verse 4, it says, A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. And so, what this passage does is God is connecting work with food and wealth. So, hard work characterizes the righteous, and God blesses their diligence not just with sustenance, but even with wealth, right? God is the provider for our needs, but listen, he provides through our hard work, okay? He provides through our hard work. These verses also teach us that it's wicked, it's wicked to refuse to work. It's wicked and shameful, and the New Testament also says the same thing. It pointedly corrects people who don't work or provide when they should, uh, the verse in your bulletin, 1 Timothy 5.8 says, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So there's a command for us to provide, not only for ourselves, but for our families um, if we have them. And so, um, so when... So so here's here's the the, the cash value here. When you provide for your needs and your family's needs, that delights the heart of God. Okay, this is really important because you think that paying your rent or paying your mortgage is ordinary. You think it's mundane, it's frustrating. Bills, groceries, household supplies, anything that you need to keep your life going, it's all so boring, right? That's not how God sees it. Friends, this is not the way that your creator sees it. When you pay your rent or your mortgage, when you swipe a card at the grocery store, God is thrilled because you are using your money as a reflection of the strength that he's given you to provide for yourself and your family. What does this mean? This means that you are the image of God when you provide because God, the provider, is providing through you. Right? You think, again, being a provider is not special. Stop for a second and think. Think about the commitment that it takes to provide for your needs. Think about the patience and the endurance required to work and provide over the course of a lifetime. I mean, plus, when you are working as a provider for others, consider how much love is added to that commitment and patience and endurance. Being a provider shows the glory and the honor that God has given all human beings. And so this dignifies even the most menial work. Right, so even if you hate your job, you can see your paycheck as the chance for you to show that you are acting in the image of God to provide for those who need you. And so again, this cha- this gives us hope. This changes our attitude especially when we hate our jobs because no matter what our job is, we are providers. And so this is one time when a godly end can justify the frustrating means. And so, celebrate and provide. Right? That's what we've got here. These are two ways that we honor God with our money. But then, I mean, I think we're starting to hint at this, but how specifically do these things shape us? Well, they shape us according to our values. And so we're going to walk back through our five values. And I want you to see how celebrating and providing help us experience our values and shape our lives around them. And so first, gospel centered. Well, celebrating is a reflection of the gospel, isn't it? I mean, we are free to be delighted and free to rejoice in God's abundance and his extravagant grace, right? We're free to buy things we don't need because in our salvation, God has done everything that is needed for us, right? We have so much more than we need. We are rich in Christ. I've already talked about that. Providing is also gospel-centered in a different way though, right? Because especially if you provide for others, If you right now are providing for children or providing for grandparents and they aren't working to earn money to support themselves, man, then how amazing a picture of Jesus are you, right? We do nothing to save ourselves. Jesus does it all. And when you provide for someone else, you are an embodiment of the gospel of Jesus, that it's by grace and because of his love that he provides for us. And you're doing that every day of your life. And just thinking about the way that most families work, right? Some of you are working out in a job to earn money to provide. Others of you are providing care and attention and love and the incredible sacrifice and the incredible frustration of day in and day out being with sometimes children who may not appreciate you. We're going to talk about that more in a little bit. And so, so that's gospel centered. So both spending money to celebrate, spending money to provide enables you to experience the gospel. Our second value is, is, is growing in community. And so when you celebrate with your money, it's even better when you do it in community, right? Drinking alone, sometimes. But when you're with your friends, right? Pie's on, party, you know, and, and so... In community, joys are multiplied. And so I wanna encourage you as you celebrate, widen the circle of your celebration to include other people and watch your mutual joy build on each other. And I think community is also, this growing community value is also highlighted because growing a community helps you to avoid the extremes with celebration right? What's that line between celebrating and overspending or or gluttony, right? What if buying new things or spending money is an idol for me? Well, you need to work out the specifics of that in community with others, right? So talk to people in your life group. Talk to people that are, that can bring the perspective and the wisdom of Jesus to bear. Talk through these things and pray with them and seek God so that you can know where this line is for you and for your family. Now, providing is kind of an amazing way to experience more of Jesus, um, especially when you feel underappreciated or unappreciated by your family. Because if you feel undervalued for all that you do, go to God, go to God with that, and your experience of Jesus will deepen because you've been pushed into Jesus' presence in this way, by the community of your family. Because if you tell Jesus, I feel unappreciated, I feel underappreciated, I feel neglected, I feel like nobody seems to care what I do and all that I do. If you tell Jesus this, he will look you in the eye and he will say, I know, I totally get it. I understand, they they treated me this way too. And you will find in Jesus someone who truly understands what you're going through. Now, I've shared this with somebody before. And uh, and they said, yeah, oh, you're right. Okay, I know. I shouldn't complain. I know all that Jesus has done for me. What right do I have to complain? And I'm like, no, 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 stop. That's not what Jesus means when he says, I understand. Right? Jesus doesn't say this to make you feel bad, but to make you feel understood right? Jesus isn't saying this because he wants you to feel guilty. He just knows what it's like to be rejected and to be undervalued by a community. He gets it. And so this can be a time when you go to God and you're reminded, oh yeah, this is how they treated Jesus. I now know him and experience more of what it was like for him. So our third value is living on mission. And this is the chance to share the gospel, to share the good news with others. Um, celebrating, I think, you want to look for opportunities to celebrate in front of people and make that spiritual connection. That, hey, it's amazing that I get to celebrate this. And it reminds me that God has so abundantly enriched my life, right? If you can make this connection for other people, this is part of sharing the gospel. It's just, it's repainting that picture, because you have all kinds of people in your life who think that God is stoic, who think that God is a killjoy. And you'll have the opportunity through celebrating to recast and reshape their image of who God is as you surprise them by letting them know, hey, you know what? Actually, my God wants me to spend money on things I don't need. Bible says so. Okay, city positive. This one's exciting. City positive is this idea that we're not against the city. We're not above the city looking down on it. We're not outside the city trying to be separated from it completely, right? We're for the city, right? Being city positive uh, means that we affirm what is good in the city, in the culture. And so celebrating does this. When you buy food, you affirm the goodness of God in food and in those who make it. When you spend money on entertainment, you are affirming God's goodness. You're affirming his image in what is entertaining and the people who entertain, right? In music, in art, in all of these things, in technology and its ability to both entertain and make us more productive. Like it's true that these things can enslave us, right? That's totally true. We gotta be careful of that. We need to live in community so other people will call us on that if they see us doing that, but they don't have to. They don't have to. Wonderfully affirming the goodness of the world by buying things we don't need and celebrating those things is an affirmation of the world. And it's actually, it's actually an expression of faith in the resurrection of Jesus. What do I mean? Well, this is something that makes Christians, being city positive is something that makes Christians very different from lots of other religions. So religions like Buddhism and Hinduism, like new age spirituality, there's a general theme in these other religions that says that what we're aiming for, the goal of our lives is actually disembodied spirituality. So many people, so many people think that what we're aiming for is to disconnect from this world and to go and be in some spirit world thing that's completely apart from anything physical that we're like trapped in these physical bodies and we need to escape. That's not biblical Christianity. Right? Biblical Christianity doesn't say Jesus died for our sins and then his spirit rose up into heaven and he's there now waiting for us. That's not what it says. Biblical Christianity says that he died on Friday and on Sunday he rose bodily from the grave. Biblical Christianity says that Jesus bodily ascended into heaven and is waiting to return to a renewed heaven and earth. That we're not looking for a disembodied spirituality, we're looking for an embodied body and soul existence forever on a glorious version of this earth, in glorious bodies that are not tainted with sin, that are not plagued by the miseries and the frustrations of this life. And the resurrection of Jesus proves that. His bodily resurrection means that we will be body and soul forever. Do you know what this means? This means that you have every right to enjoy the taste of food. Buddhism and new age spirituality tend to say that your physical pleasure is an illusion. It's something that actually is an expression of your immaturity. And one of the goals of your life is to mature so that you can stop being affected by the world and stop indulging in physical pleasure at all costs. That's not biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity says God made the world and it is good and it is ours to enjoy. And so if you like the taste of food, you have every reason. You are affirming the resurrection of Jesus. If you like physical contact with other people, if you love being hugged by someone else, if a handshake makes you feel connected, man, you're affirming the body and soul nature of how God created us and the way we will live forever. If you are married and you have sex and you enjoy sex, you're affirming the resurrection of Jesus. It's not just about procreation, it's about pleasure. Because we are body and soul creatures. Everything that is physical that you enjoy, if you love the sunset, if you love to hike, if you love to climb, if you love cars, if you love watches, I mean, anything. If you have an affection for these things that are physical, you can be... I mean, I'm saying you are, maybe I should, I'm saying if you open your mind and your eyes and you open the eyes of your heart and you let your faith understand the implications of the resurrection of Jesus, then all of these things can be an expression of your faith. Friends, this is what it means to be city positive, city positive, to celebrate the physical is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. Providing does this too, because providing for your needs, as you spend your money to provide for your needs, you're actually supporting the city. Um, You're supporting local farmers. If you shop at a farmer's market, right? If you buy your coffee in the morning, right? Not a mocha, right? Not something blended, because that would be celebrating, right? But if you're just drinking coffee, if you're just drinking coffee, that's a need, you know, it's providing for your needs if it's just coffee. But if you're buying the blended Reese's Mocha, at subterranean on 30th street, just south of North Parkway. Oh, that's celebration. Um, Paying your mortgage. I want you to think about this. Paying your mortgage uh, supports the bank that gives you a home that you can't afford yet right? You're being city positive. You're supporting the city. When you pay your garbage bill, your electricity, your gas, and your water, all these things support businesses and people in the city. And so you can rejoice that you are not disembodied spirits. We're body and soul creatures that live in a world where we're in community with people. We live in a city um, and the way we spend our money can enable us to rejoice in these things. And then finally, equipping leaders. Equipping leaders, um, we need people celebrating with their money so that we can equip other people to do the same so I need we as a church need for every one of you to understand how to celebrate and to do it conscientiously, like to do it with all of your heart and with all of your gusto. The Bible says whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God, right and so we need to celebrate um, and And understand where the lines are, right? Because we've got two other things that we need to do with our money as well. We've got celebrate and provide today. We're gonna look uh, at more things next week. And so with equipping leaders, first, you gotta lead yourself, right? And this message, other resources we can provide for you, help you to lead yourself and develop wisdom. Um, And ultimately, if you're able to walk and embody this in your life, you're gonna end up influencing other people. You're gonna share this with them and more and more people, you'll become a leader. Um, and the same thing is true with providing. right? You start out by leading yourself, by understanding this idea of providing for yourself and your family. It's good for you. Um, and as you develop the ability to provide for yourself, you may be able to lead others in this. And so, yeah, my, my encouragement to you is this week to make these connections this week, to celebrate and to provide. When you spend your money this way, um, I've got on my credit cards, the four words, celebrate, provide, tithe and care. Um, Every time you swipe, every time you spend money, just ask yourself, what am I doing? Like, how am I spending this money? Sometimes it's a combination of a couple different things. Uh, But as you spend your money this week, make these connections, celebrate God and realize that he's making you more and more in to his image. And if you're here and you're not a Christian, this is some of the joy of walking with Jesus. He cares about these areas, not because he wants to like look over our shoulders and constantly be berating us, but it's because he wants us to experience him in every aspect of life, all of his joy, all of his blessing, so that we become the best versions of ourselves. If you believe in him, if you trust in him, he'll do this for you. Let's pray. God, thank you that the Bible is a big book. Thank you, God, for the good news of the gospel and community and mission, being city positive. God, we wanna be people that can walk in these things. We thank you for the ability to celebrate the good news um, and for how that, Im- that impacts the way we spend our money. Jesus, I pray that we would absorb these things, that we would walk in them, and that this week, every time we spend our money, that we would think about you, that we would make these connections, that we would rejoice in our celebration with you and that we would see that you are making us in your image as providers. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.